If your happy ending is no more joint pain, please try Sierra Sil with a money-back guarantee. It's all-natural joint pain relief that's changed our lives. Sierra, like the mountains, and Sil, like silicon. Go to sierrasil.com. Use the code DRIFT for 10% off. Hello, I'm Erin, and welcome to Drift. Here we explore stories of childhood fantasies, morality tales, and so much more. Made possible by Envy Pillow, my sleeping beauty for over 20 years. The Canadian designed copper infused Envy Pillow aligns your spine and neck and prevents those lines that sleeping on our face brings. Learn more in the morning at Envy, E N V Y, pillow.com. As good for you as it is Mother Earth. Now, this is something I hope you'll enjoy. Joseph Jacobs brings us this English language version of The Son of Seven Queens, tailored for you here on Drift. Mr. Jacobs made it his life's work to translate and bring to wider audiences stories of cultures other than his own, Jewish, Celtic, and Indian fairy tales such as this one, which made him one of the most popular authors of his time. Just before we get to the Son of Seven Queens, let's take a few breaths to relax and make sure you're in just the right headspace and bedspace to take in this story. Take a deep breath in and out. And once more, letting your body just sink into wherever you are right now. Take another inhale. And now as you exhale, think these words. I am safe. I am loved. I am at peace. And if you're ready, let's drift. Once there lived a king who had seven queens, but no children. This meant that when he died, there would be no one to inherit his kingdom. Now it happened one day that a poor old fortune teller came to the king and said, Your prayers are heard and one of your seven queens shall bear a son. The king was delighted while his seven queens lived luxuriously in a splendid palace, attended by hundreds of female servants and fed to their heart's content on candies and desserts. Hmm. The king was very fond of hunting, and one day before he headed out, the seven queens sent him a message saying, Please, dearest husband, do not hunt in the north today, for our dreams make us fear that evil may come to you. The king listened carefully to the wishes of his wives and promised he would avoid the north. He set out instead towards the south, but the hunting here left much to be desired. So he tried the east which was no better, nor was his luck in the West. It was then that he forgot all about the promise he made to his seven queens and headed north. 
Here, his luck was not much better, and just as he was about to give up and go home with his noble head hung low, there came across his path a beautiful white deer with golden horns and silver hoofs. It whipped by him so quickly, running into the thicket, that he barely caught a glimpse. Nonetheless, he became captivated with the gorgeous creature and wanted to catch and possess it. He ordered his attendants to form a ring round the thicket and encircle the doe, then, gradually making the circle smaller and smaller, they pressed in until he could distinctly see the glorious white beast panting in the midst. Nearer and nearer he advanced, till, just as he was in range of capturing this beautiful, strange creature, she gave one mighty leap right over the king's head and fled towards the mountains. The king pursued it at breakneck speed, leaving the rest of the group in his dust, keeping a sharp eye on the alabaster doe and not slowing even for a moment. Then he found himself at a dead end in a narrow ravine. He pulled the reins and stopped. Before him stood a sad, run-down shack, but because he was thirsty after his arduous chase, he entered to ask for a drink of water. An old woman, seated in the hut at a spinning wheel, answered his request by calling out to her daughter. Out came a maiden so lovely and charming, so white-skinned and golden-haired, that the king was stunned into silence at seeing so beautiful a sight in the miserable hovel. She held a cup of water to the king's lips, and as he drank, he looked into her eyes. And suddenly, it dawned on him. This girl was none other than the white deer with the golden horns and silver feet that he had chased so far. Her beauty cast a spell. King or not, he fell on his knees, begging her to return with him as his bride. Of course she knew who he was. But she only laughed, saying seven queens were quite enough even for a king to manage. He would not take no for an answer. He begged her to have pity on him, promising her everything her heart could desire. And then she made the cruelest request. She told him to give her the eyes of his seven queens, and maybe then she would believe his promises. Well, the king was so carried away by the white deer's magical beauty that he went home at once and had the eyes of his seven queens taken out. After throwing the poor, adoring, blinded creatures into an awful dungeon from which there was no escape, he returned to the hovel in the ravine, carrying with him those fourteen eyes. The golden-haired beauty laughed coldly and gave the strange offerings to her mother, a keepsake, she said, for while she was away at the king's palace. Then she went back with the bewitched monarch as his bride, taking on 
all of the seven queens' clothing, jewels, servants, palace, everything. So now she had all her witchy heart desired. Very soon after the seven poor queens had lost their eyes and were thrown into a prison, a baby was born to the youngest of the queens, just as predicted. Now the others were jealous, but the boy soon proved so useful to them that before long they all shared in mothering him. Almost from the day he could walk, he began to dig at a wall. He would dig and dig until he made a hole big enough for him to crawl through. Through this he disappeared, returning in an hour or so with his arms full of lovely delicacies of pastries and such, which he divided equally among the seven blind queens. As he grew bigger, so did the hole, and he would slip out two or three times each day to play with the little nobles in the town. No one knew who the tiny, handsome boy was, but everybody liked him, and he was so full of fun that he was always rewarded by some lovely cakes, a handful of grain, or some other treats. He would bring them home to his seven mothers, as he loved to call them, and it was thanks to him that they survived in their dungeon at all, when the whole world thought they had starved to death ages earlier. One day, when he was quite a big lad, he took his bow and arrow and went out seeking game. He happened upon the palace where the white doe lived in wicked splendor. Seeing some pigeons fluttering round the white marble turrets, he took good aim and shot one down. It came tumbling past the very window where the white queen was sitting. She rose to see what was the matter and looked out. With one glance at the handsome young lad, standing there bow in hand, she knew by witchcraft that he was the king's son. Envy and spite overtook her, and she was determined to destroy the lad. So she sent a servant to bring him to her and asked him if he would sell her the pigeon. No replied the sturdy lad. The pigeon is for my seven blind mothers who live in an awful dungeon and who would die if I did not bring them food. Poor souls, cried the cunning white witch. Would you not like to bring them their eyes again? Give me the pigeon, my dear, and I faithfully promise to show you where to find them. Well, hearing this, the lad was delighted beyond words and gave up the pigeon at once. Then the white queen told him to seek her mother without delay and ask for the eyes which she was in charge of watching over. She will do this, said the cruel queen, if you show her this token on which I have written what I want done. In so saying, she gave the lad a piece of broken pottery with these words inscribed on it, Kill the bearer at once. Now, as the son of seven queens could not read, he took the fatal message cheerfully and set off to find the white queen's mother. He passed through a town where every one of the inhabitants looked so sad 
They told him it was because the king's only daughter refused to marry. So when her father died, there would be no heir to the throne. They greatly feared she must be out of her mind, for she declared she would only marry the son of seven mothers. Who ever heard of such a thing? The king, in despair, had ordered every man who entered the city's gates to be led before the princess. So, much to the lad's impatience, because he was in an immense hurry to find the eyes of his mothers, he was dragged into the presence chamber. Well, no sooner did the princess catch sight of him than she blushed, and turning to the king said, Dear father, this is my choice. And there was great celebration. The townspeople nearly went wild with joy. But the son of seven queens said he would not marry the princess unless they first let him recover his mother's eyes. When the beautiful bride-to-be heard his story, she asked to see the pottery, for she was well-educated and clever. Seeing the treacherous words, she said nothing, but taking another similar-shaped bit of pottery, she wrote on it, Take care of this lad, giving him all he desires, and returned it to the son of seven queens, who, none the wiser, set off on his quest. Before long he arrived at the hovel in the ravine where the white witch's mother, a hideous old creature, grumbled dreadfully on reading the message, especially when the boy asked for her special treasure. Nevertheless, she retrieved it and gave it to him, saying, There are only thirteen of them now, for I lost one last week. The lad, who was only too glad to get any at all, hurried home as fast as he could to his seven mothers and gave two eyes apiece to the six elder queens, but to the youngest he gave one, saying, Dearest little mother, I will be your other eye always. After this, he set off to marry the princess, just as he had promised. But when passing by the white queen's palace, again he saw some pigeons on the roof. Drawing his bow, he shot one, and it came fluttering down past the window. The white doe looked out, and what was this? There was the king's son, alive and well. She cried with hatred and disgust, but sending for the lad, asked him how he had returned so soon. And when she heard how he had brought home the thirteen eyes and given them to the seven blind queens, she could hardly restrain her rage. But she pretended to be charmed with his success and told him that if he would give her this pigeon too, she would reward him with the ogre's cow, whose milk flows all day long and makes a pond as big as a kingdom. The boy happily gave her the pigeon. Then, just as before, she told him, go ask her mother for the cow, and gave him a pottery shard, whereupon she had written, kill this lad, and do not fail this time. But on the way, the son of seven queens looked in on the princess just to tell her how he came to be delayed. And she, after reading the message on the pottery, 
gave him another instead, so that when the lad reached the old hag's hut and asked her for the ogre's cow, the woman told the boy how to find it. Plus, she warned him not to be afraid of the eighteen thousand demons who kept watch and ward over the precious bovine. The lad did as he had been told. He bravely journeyed on till he came to a milk-white pond, guarded by the eighteen thousand demons. They really were frightful to behold, but he whistled a tune as he walked through them, looking neither to the right nor to the left. Soon he came upon the magical cow, tall, white, and beautiful, while the ogre himself, who was king of all the demons, sat milking her day and night. The ogre, seeing the lad, cried out fiercely, What do you want here? Then the lad answered, according to the old hag's bidding, I want your skin, for King Indra is making a new kettle drum and says your skin is nice and tough. The ogre began to shiver and shake, for no spirit or monster dares disobey King Indra's command, and falling at the lad's feet, cried, Spare me, and I will give you anything, even my beautiful white cow. To this the son of seven queens agreed, and driving the wonderful cow before him, he set off homewards. The seven queens were delighted to possess so marvelous an animal. They toiled from morning till night, making curds and whey, selling milk to the confectioners. But still, they could not use half the cow gave, and became richer and richer by the day. Seeing them so comfortably off, the son of seven queens felt now he could leave them in good conscience to marry the princess. But once again, when passing by the white queen's palace, he just couldn't resist sending an arrow at some pigeons which were cooing on the roof. One fell just beneath the window where the miserable monarch was sitting, looking out. She saw the lad standing before her, and she grew whiter than ever with rage and spite. She sent for him to ask how he had returned so soon, and when she heard how kindly her mother had received him, she nearly had a fit. But she composed herself, and smiling sweetly, said she was glad to have been able to fulfill her promise, and that if he would give her this third pigeon, she would do yet more for him than she had done before, by giving him the million-fold rice, which ripens in one night. The lad was delighted at the idea, and giving up the pigeon, set off on his quest, armed as before with a pottery shard, on which was written, Do not fail this time. Kill the lad and do it right. When he looked in on his princess, so that she would not worry about him, she asked to see the message as usual, and substituted another, on which was written, Yet again, give this lad all he requires, for his blood shall be as your blood. Now, when the old hag saw this, 
and heard how the lad wanted the million-fold rice, which ripens in a single night, she fell into the most furious rage. But being terribly afraid of her daughter, she controlled herself and told the boy, Go and find the field, guarded by eighteen million demons, warning him not to look back after having plucked the tallest spike of rice, which grew in the center. The son of seven queens set off, and soon came to the field where, guarded by all those demons, the million-fold rice grew. He walked on bravely, looking neither right nor left, till he reached the center and plucked the tallest ear. But as he turned homewards, a thousand sweet voices rose behind him, crying in tenderest accents, Pluck me too! Oh, please, pluck me too! He looked back, and lo, there was nothing left of him but a little heap of ashes. Now time passed, and the lad did not return, and the old hag grew uneasy, remembering the message, His blood shall be as your blood. So she set off to see what had happened. Soon she came to a giant heap of ashes, and knowing by her own wicked gifts what it was, she took a bit of water, and kneading the ashes into a paste, formed it into the likeness of a man. Then, putting a drop of blood from her little finger into its mouth, she blew on it, and instantly the son of seven queens rose up, as healthy as ever. Be off, grumbled the old hag, before I regret my kindness. The son of seven queens returned joyfully to his mother's, who, with the help of the million-fold rice, soon became the richest people in the kingdom. Then they celebrated their son's marriage to the clever princess with the most elaborate festival ever. But the bride was so clever that she made a plan. She would introduce this boy who had been born in a dungeon to his father, while also punishing the wicked white witch. She made her husband build a palace exactly like the one in which the seven queens had lived, and in which the white witch now resided in splendor. Then, when all was prepared, she told her husband to give a grand feast for the king. The monarch had heard all about this mysterious son of seven queens and his marvelous wealth, so he gladly accepted the invitation. But imagine his astonishment when on entering the palace he found it was an exact replica of his own in every detail. And when his host, richly attired, led him straight to the private hall, where, on royal thrones, sat the seven queens, dressed as he had last seen them, he was speechless with surprise, until the princess, coming forward, told him the whole story. The king awoke from his enchantment and his anger rose against the wicked white deer who had bewitched him for so long. 
He was so furious that he sentenced her to death. No notes, no pottery, no tricks or spells. And she was never heard from again. After that, the seven queens returned to their own splendid palace, and everybody lived happily. And that, from the pages of Indian fairy tale books, is the story of the son of seven queens. And on that note of good triumphing over evil and love conquering all, I wish you a good night and sweet dreams. <laughs>